This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening. We often also oftentimes have interviews on the first Sunday of the month, and today, instead of that, I'm going to share a message just looking at what, what we should expect, what we should plan for, how should we live our lives in 2017 and beyond. How do we find meaning and purpose in what we do? How, how do we make sure that our days are lived out the way they should be lived out? It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to forget why we're here and what we're about. So let's think about these things, reflect upon them, and and hopefully, by God's grace, we can apply them to our lives and it will make a difference. First, first point, you can find your outline in your bulletin. The YouVersion Bible app, you can also look there. The first step is to know your purpose. It's really difficult to succeed if you don't know what you're aiming at. True? If we want to make sure that we don't waste our life or throw our life away, we we ought to ask, why do we have life in the first place? Why are we here? It's very interesting because I've spent years meeting with people and, and talking to them about their, about their lives and how the Bible would apply to their lives. I've had folks come in and say, you know, for years I've struggled with feeling defeated and depressed. I've tried all kinds of different things. And on many occasions I've asked the, the question, what do you believe the purpose of your life is? Why are you here? And oftentimes people say, well, that's a really deep question. But I would say to you, if we don't answer that question, it's going to be really hard to figure out what to do with the rest of your life. Is that not true? I believe that the Scripture teaches that the purpose of our life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We're created to love God and love one another, to delight in God and delight in one another. And what has happened is that mankind, men and women, have turned away from God. We say this often, but it's important that we get this. And that sin has broken our connection with God and caused disharmony with one another. So Jesus came being fully God and fully man and died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin so that we could be reconnected with God through faith in Christ and we could live differently that we could love. And when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's the beginning of a process. In an instant, we're declared righteous before God, but there is this process of being made holy that won't be finished until we reach heaven. Amen? We need to know our purpose. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, a lot of people hear that, 
but we have no idea what does it mean to live for the glory of God. What do we do that shows the world how great God is? We're obedient to the things God would have us do. We're obedient to the things that reflect the character of God. We serve God out of delight and with gratitude. Amen? If I want to bring honor to my wife, I don't do it by telling you how hard it is to be married to her. Or how much work it is to be married. You know, I have to give up a lot of my money and my time. Right? If I want to honor my children, I don't tell you how hard it is to be a parent. I tell you what a delight it is to be a parent. I tell you what an honor it is to be married to my wife. That doesn't mean that I don't have to have dedication, because we do. But these relationships are not based on duty. They're made based on delight. So when we eat or drink and we do all for the glory of God, we recognize the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And we realize that the only thing that gives us the ability to enjoy anything is the grace, the unmerited favor of God on our lives. Amen? This is really important because so many Christians think that their good deeds are what they're doing to show off to God. Like he's going to go, wow, Kev, that was an incredible sermon. You really are an incredible guy. And people are searching for their significance in their ministry instead of rejoicing in their relationship to God through Christ. Amen. I worry when so much that's taught in the church becomes moralistic. Do this, don't do that. And loses sight of the motivation for what we do. Right? It matters why you do something. Is that not true? Imagine you've had a fight with your spouse if you're married, right? And they come to you and they, they apologize. And you're, let's say you're, you're a wife and your husband says to you, I'm, I'm really sorry for what I said. And you say to him, why are you sorry for what you said? Why are you apologizing? And he says, because I was really hoping you'd cook me dinner. Do you understand why matters? Right? Understand our purpose. And our purpose isn't just to follow a bunch of laws and rules laid out by God. It's to delight in God. There, there are some things that we do and don't do in a relationship, but it's the relationship that matters. Do we get that? Because if you're a wife and your husband comes to apologize to you, and you say, why are you apologizing? And he says, because I delight in you. And I don't want anything to come between our, our relationship and the joy and the pleasure that we share together as we glorify God. Does that make a difference to you? 
Matthew 22, 36 through 40. They came to Jesus and they said this, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Did you catch that? Verse 36, Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And he said to him, read it to you again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend the law and the prophets. I, I said that twice, didn't I? For point of emphasis, because we, we, we tend to miss that. When people come around us, when people see Christians, they say, you know, what really defines those Christians is they are really in love with God. And they really love people. So would it make sense that in 2017, we know our purpose is to glorify God by loving God, loving people, knowing Christ, and making Him known and we say to ourselves, what stands in the way? What is keeping me from loving God the way I ought to love Him? What's keeping me from loving others the way I ought to love them? What's keeping me from knowing Christ the way I should know Him? And making Him known the way I should make Him known? And it's then where it's going to be very important that we're able to feel conviction, that sense brought by the Holy Spirit that we need to do differently without feeling condemnation, that idea that I'm a loser and there's no hope for me. Right? Because in 2017, we're going to need grace. I catch myself saying, I, I know what my purpose is. How come I keep losing sight of it? Right? Help me, Lord. Help me. And he does. That's our Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the first thing is to admit that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive your sins and send his Holy Spirit to fill your life. Amen? Point two. Not only do we need to know our purpose, we need to live with passion. Romans 12, 1-12 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, what do you say? By what means? By the mercies of God. To present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you catch that? Don't. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, not the removing of the mind, but the renewing of the mind. So that we might test and see what, what is the will of God. Do we spend time thinking about what would God want me to do? What would God have me do?
For by, gra- for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Did you hear what he just said? Because that's counter to a lot of our culture. Paul says, be careful you don't think too much of yourself. For by grace given to me, I, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. By the way, every time he uses he, I believe here it's in the generic sense of he and she. Verse 9, let love be, what's the word? Genuine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. These next two verses are inscribed on the inside of my wedding band. Romans 12, 11, and 12. Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't, don't lose your passion. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Seems like a pretty good resolution for the next year. So when we look at all of those things in that passage about not making our, our, um, ourselves conform to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds, we look at understanding what our gift is and using it, and we see whatever we do, we should do it in such a way that we don't lose our zeal. We should do it with a passion and an enthusiasm. There's a lot of verses today, and, and I hope that you'll take some time to reflect on them and Pray on them after the service. Point three, keep your perspective. Keep your perspective. So when you're little, and you're planning a game or get a grade, sometimes it seems like the whole world comes to an end when we lose a game or something goes wrong, but it's not, right? How many of our older people here would love to take a junior higher and sit them down and saying, you know those people that you're worried so much about what they think about you? 15 years from now, you, you won't even remember who they are. Is that true? I mean, maybe a few of them are your friends, but so, so get some perspective here. It's going to be all right. I remember I was standing talking to a mother. And there's this weird thing when you're a preacher. Somehow people think sometimes you're going to tattle to God on them or something and they want to be on their best behavior around you. Trust me, I'm just a fallen human being who needs as much grace as anybody else. 
but the lady's talking to me, and the kids are, are, are wiggling and not, not paying much attention and pulling on her, and I can tell it's making her nervous. And one of them drops a penny, and they begin to fight over the penny. And she's embarrassed by that and says, isn't that ridiculous, the things that kids will fight over? And in that moment, I thought to myself, I bet that's what I look like from the vantage point of heaven often. Can you imagine the angels looking down and go, can, can you believe what they're fighting over? Right? I mean, they're, they're, they're all jazzed up about that gold stuff. We, we, just, we use it to pave the streets up here. Right? They're, they're valuing things that How often am I all wound up about things that really don't matter? Lost perspective. I would say, for myself, I don't know about you, at least a couple times a day, I have to recheck my perspective. Matthew 6, 19-34, Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's not saying there's never a time to plan. He's saying there's never a time to panic. You understand the difference? And he's saying, you will always have the resources to advance the kingdom of God in the ways you're called to advance the kingdom of God.
So we, we, we want to know our purpose. We want to live with passion. We want to check our perspective and make sure we've kept the right perspective. Fourth, we want to be positive. It's really popular sometimes to be negative, isn't it? You complain about everything. It's easy to complain about the people who are causing you grief than it is to rejoice in the people who are bringing joy into your life. Right? Think about it. Maybe it happened to some of you this holiday. You had a lot of great people around you for the holiday, maybe. Or a few great people. Nice people. Great in relative terms of, of, of this life, right? But one troublemaker, that's the one you want to talk about sometimes, isn't it? I've noticed that in my life. Sunday will get over, folks will be so kind and encouraging to me as a pastor. And one person will get in my face and, and say something that's, you know, just off the wall or crazy. And I'll drive home thinking about the one crazy person. Right? Do you, do you ever notice your, your, your body works and we don't even think about it? We don't ever say, I thank God that my hand works, but break your hand and you'll start complaining. Right? Of course, I, I have an ability to complain about even things that should be positive. I, I have this thing I say and I'm working on it. I get done eating and I said, that was great, but I really overate and almost complained about calorie intake. Although I found out part of the problem maybe. Our three-year-old Silas, the other morning, was, was throwing balls, right? What were they called, Paige? I don't know what they were called, she says. I, I don't know, but he told me they had these balls that if you threw at people, they made their bellies get big. <laughs> he was just playing. I, I, Paige and I don't remember what the name of it was, but... He's just in the morning playing this imaginary game. What are you doing? I'm throwing these balls at people. What happens? Well, when the person gets hit with the ball, their belly gets big. So I'm, I'm assuming maybe that, that, that's, a, that's a problem around the holidays. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Remember, we can be sorrowful yet rejoicing. We can, we can have sorrow over the circumstances while we rejoice in the fact that we have, a, we have a Lord that's promised that when this life ends, a better life begins. He's promised to go with us through the hard times, and He's promised never to waste our pain. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which, trans, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? You want to guard your heart and your mind? Rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful in your prayer and make your request to the Lord. And then he says this, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
I think the Apostle Paul told us that because he knows how prone we are to complain. Right? It's kind of like I get a canker sore in my mouth and it hurts, and then it stops hurting for a little bit, so I put my tongue on it to see if it still hurts. And it doesn't hurt very much, so then I put my tongue on it a little longer to see if I can make it hurt again. Does anybody else do that? Good, good. Um, there might be some therapy for us, I don't know. But uh, the point is, you don't want to live your life that way, do you? We get addicted to complaining. Look at all the positive things that are happening. It doesn't mean that we're blind to the things that still need worked on. It just means that life goes better when we think about all the positive things that are happening. The fifth thing I would like us to do together is put our beliefs into practice. So often we have a Sunday compartment in our life that doesn't touch the rest of our week. People come, they hear a message, maybe say a few amens and they go, but they don't practice what the Lord has laid on their heart to practice. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, put it this way. Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Right there, that line right there. I've been praying for God's grace and mercy. I've been working on that for a long time. That's a lot, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this man, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I, I want to, I know we, we've got some time concerns here, but I want to say to you, as Christians, we often think a lot of sins of commission. Now, afterwards, you can talk to your family members about this, and it's a good discussion around the family table to talk about what a sin of commission and a sin of omission is, right? Sins of commission are those things that we do, so you don't, that we were not supposed to do, lying, stealing, those kind of things, right? And the church oftentimes will emphasize those things, you know, don't get drunk, don't steal. The sins of omission are those things that we're supposed to do that we don't do. Love our neighbor care for those in need, show compassion. And so I would say to us, let's make sure that we practice what we preach. 
let's make sure that we pray for the strength of God to do that which he's called us to do in 2017. Our purpose is to glorify God by loving God, loving people, right? So the worst thing you can do with your tongue is not use the wrong word to refer to a pile of manure. It's to use your tongue to dishonor God or hurt others. Right? And when I say hurt, I, I really mean harm. Sometimes we have to say things that people don't like to hear right away, but are helpful to encourage them in the right direction. I know that. But, but sometimes we use our tongues to destroy other people and to cut them down, to try to build ourselves up. We need to not do that. We need to practice what we preach. We need to care about orphans and widows and people in need. Amen? And really think and discern what God would want us to do to help them. Last, we want to pace ourselves. Pace yourself for success. You know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think about that. Jesus also told us to take up our cross daily and follow him. So I don't think he, he means that there's no struggles to the Christian life, because elsewhere he says, in this world you shall have tribulation. I do believe that, that, that there is a rest for the soul that comes when we lean on Jesus. Amen?